Hello and welcome to Are We There Yet? The podcast investigating the world-changing ideas coming out of the workshops, labs and secret test tracks at Shunday. Taking us to places where flying taxis, cars which adjust our emotions and vehicles with rocket technology aren't just dreams but are making their way into the cars we're driving and into our lives. I'm Susie Perry, and this podcast comes to you from Hyundai Motor Europe. In this edition, we're in a place very close to my heart, motorsport. But what we're looking at is something new, something very different. To answer the question, is the future of motor racing electric? As well as the passion and emotion of racing, I've always been fascinated by the engineering and the space race, the bleeding edge technology used to eke out that extra vital tenth of a second that can mean the difference between becoming the winner and one of the losers. However, while high octane fuel championships still dominate the headlines, arguably their relevance to our ever-changing greener lifestyles is becoming less and less. To survive, and to become of interest to new generations, does motorsport need to reflect the shifting desires of the global population as we swap the fuel pump for the charging station? Today, we're getting up close to the first electric racing car built by Hyundai Motorsport, the Veloster NETCR. With me are two people who can take us into this pioneering vehicle under the bonnet and tell us how fast can we go? Luckily, Andrea, you're an engineer and you can handle those things. Me as a race car driver can barely turn the steering wheel left and right. <laughs> Taking note of all the things, uh, Augusto, and we will miss you. <laughs> Hyundai Motorsport team principal Andrea Adamo and racing driver Augusto Farfus. First of all, lovely to see you both. Thank you both for joining us. How are you? Very good. Everything's yeah. fine. Busy days, but luckily we are managing to get motorsport going again after a chaotic 2020. It's good to keep racing drivers' brains occupied as well, isn't it? Otherwise, you get bored quite quickly, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And for you, Andrea, obviously a busy man always, but uh, a great project to talk about this year um, and changes. So much has been going on for you since 2019, since heading up the motorsport division. Uh, for sure, we have seen in 2020 some uh, moments where the situation was a bit uh, more tricky, but I think it's also good uh, to to show to all the fans that uh, things are going on with a different kind of entertainment, the new project, and I would say also giving a bit of a good mood, no? Andrea, Hyundai have a good track record in motorsports, winning stages in the WRC, two drivers title in the WTCR and of course the constructors in WRC for 19 and 20 that, that you went out and, and won in the last two years. Why are, are they getting involved? Why are you so heavily involved in, in electric? Because Hyundai is a very up-to-date brand and uh, so having the e-vehicles and having the hydrogen uh, fuel cell system I think uh, it's important to show that uh, we are ahead of the time uh, or living our time uh, 100%. And uh, this uh, 
championship with new kind of uh, race car, I think will be a good opportunity to show to everyone uh, how wide is the platform of technology that Hyundai can offer to customers and uh, to the world, let me say. So we are already present in WSE, in touring car, and this is an occasion that we cannot skip because... uh, We believe in uh, sporty vehicles. The Hyundai image has been uh, increased a lot during the last years for the massive improvement of uh, road car quality and image and uh, keep going, pushing in all the possible directions. But of course, uh, we have to be there, not just to be there for the sake, but we have to be there to win. And this is what Hyundai has shown in the last years, that every time that we are doing something, we are doing it seriously with the main target to win. Okay, let's talk about the Veloster NETCR. Augusta, you're the person who maybe has the closest connection to this car because you've been the main test and development driver throughout the project. So how does it compare to touring cars? It is a race car like all other race cars. So how you approach uh, the racetrack, the racing lines, it is like from any other car. But uh, there is so much more technology behind it and it's a technology which is so different that uh, many of us which are involved on this project we have started from our first uh, prototype making the car faster every every session learning every session it is incredible yeah it's the first uh, pure electric racing car isn't it from hyundai it's a it's a massive project can you just take me into the car with you so uh you get there And then you see this car which has no engine and has uh, a completely different way of handling and preparing the car before uh, getting out on track. And of course, it is completely silent. And this makes initially the first feeling very unique because you start the car and then normally you feel the engine roaring and there there is no roaring of the engine. The engine is completely quiet. You press the throttle and it moves. (laughs) So... If it would not be for the lights which I have on the dash, which indicates me that the, the system is ready to drive, the car is completely quiet. And then you drive out, and it's like going with no engine. You hear the sound of the wind blowing through the car with the speed. So like in Daytona, where we are going extremely fast, you really hear the, the wind blowing through the car, screaming through the car. You hear every single noise. So even if you have a screw which is not tight properly, you can hear that vibration. You can feel that vibration because different to a normal combustion engine where the engine overcomes most of the possible noise the driver might hear. There you can hear every vibration, every noise, and there is no gears. You have the pedals behind the wheel. They activate uh, some other functions on the car, but you don't have to change gears. And this is strange because even if you drive an automatic car you go through the gears while the car is accelerating that car has only one drive and the acceleration is extremely fast yeah you go to 500 kilowatts it's impressive and that for me it is the biggest challenge in that in that car because you can drive from 300 kilowatts 400 kilowatts and 500 kilowatts exactly on the same car with the same weight, with the same brakes, with the same tires, just by turning a switch. The top speed difference, it is not a little bit, it's enormous. And then you go on the brakes, you don't have the engine brake, you don't have the gears to downshift. So the brake application required by the driver 
is extremely fine, you lock the wheel so much easier, you need to be even more focused because you need the, the precision level to drive that car is even higher because you feel every action you do, you feel even more in your steering wheel. And I know a lot of race fans, they complain about the electric car not being noisy, not hearing the engine screaming. But there is so much behind of electric car which delivers from a different view, potentially an even better show and even more fun to the driver and also will be able to deliver to the fans. What do you think the benefits will be for the fans then? First of all, this acceleration for the cars are extremely fast and different than other electric series, we're going to go full on. will not be so much about managing the energy and it will be intense because with the power you have and the power delivery you have, every driver input will make a big impact on the performance. So driver mistakes, you pay a bigger price and overtakes will be potentially a lot easier. So I think the car allows a very different racing style and a driving style, which at the end, the public will going to love. Augusto, what do you feel you sacrifice when you go electric, apart from the fact that there's no noise? Talking particularly to myself, I sacrificed all those years of combustion engine uh, experience a new start from, from me, but for everyone, from the mechanics and the teams. And I think this would also give, would spice up a little bit the show because we'll bring everyone back to level zero and those which are going to be smarter, faster learners, being able to adapt better, will definitely have an advantage. Andrea... I suppose this is also an endorsement by racing drivers as well to show that they are taking electric car racing very seriously. Um, Pure ETCR will be the first multi-manufacturer electric touring car series in the world and the Velister N will compete. And the dates have just come out actually for 2021, kicking off in June in Italy and then it snakes across Europe for four races ending uh, the final race will be in South Korea. So how excited are you? For sure, the excitement is uh, is massive, no? We will go on circuits uh, where normally the people always come to see races. We tried to pick uh, proper uh, circuits uh, with proper also history, no? So some, something that is important to add in the mix. And the way we are planning to race, we're going to keep people for 5, for 10, for 15 minutes fully on, fully connected and, and fully committed on seeing the action. So just take us through the format of how this racing will happen. Uh, there will be short and intense battles, fully on, a little bit like it will be on a football match when they go to penalties. Okay. You know? Yeah. And, Andrea, are we talking about a sort of rallycross style event here, which is which is very gripping for fans to watch and, and, and short, and you end up with... An, a knockout format. Do you think it will take that kind of way? Yes, some uh, 20, 25 minutes battle between uh, some cars on the track. Every car will have uh, two drivers uh, in, so they will alternate in the car. So basically you will have uh, quite lots of drivers uh, and uh, the fans can really enjoy and support uh, different uh, drivers. So also it's a uh, very fans oriented, especially in the first season to catch the attention of, uh, of the new kind of fans. 
and uh, you know everyone will be very eager to to fight and win. And what about fans, petrol heads, uh, as they've been called over the decades? Do you think that they'll accept this form of racing as the future? Well, the world is changing, you know, and and of course, I'm. I mean, who does not love a V12 seven-liter engine, super noisy, and so on? I think this is it goes without saying, but. Uh, I think what the fans really like to see, it is the action on track. Mm, close racing. And the way we are planning to race, we're going to keep people fully connected and, and fully committed on seeing the action. If you can indulge me for a moment, uh, let me get to know you a little more. Uh, and I think it's always good to know what was your first car, Andrea? Your first car that you owned? Oh, uh, many years ago. It was 1989. Uh, it was a Fiat uh, 127, nice uh, bean uh, green. Uh, <laughs> I rebuilt it uh, for some summers, uh, still in Miano, because it's the first love, uh, the first uh, bicycle, the first, the first, the first, and uh, this car is still in my mind. And I have to say. All my friends, uh, I think, remember me with this uh, 127 Fiat uh, uh, running in our uh, mountain village uh, with this uh, amazing color that you cannot forget. It's an amazing feeling when you get your first car, isn't it? The freedom that it gives you, the independence, <laughs> where you don't have to get lifts from parents or friends anymore. And it unveils a whole new world. But Augusto... Well, I started back in 1990 with motorbikes, mini bikes. I got a present from Christmas for my dad and that's how my passion to racing started. Uh, my mom was not so excited about the idea of her young boy being racing on racetracks, especially in two wheels. They tried to, to convince me to, to go to go-karts. My mom thought it was safer to be on four wheels instead of two wheels. And the first lap I did on a go-kart, I fell in love. Then I came over to Europe uh, where I did all the, the formulas on my way up to Formula One. I've been invited to do a test in touring cars with Alfa Romeo. And that's where the first time I met uh, Mr. Andrea Damo, who was running the project. He was one of the engineers. So we know each other from a pretty 20 years. Um, that made me feel old, but OK. This... <laughs> yes, so do I. <laughs> Um, Andrea, clearly for you, there, there was another part of, of cars that you love from the engineering side. How did you know that you were going to be involved in motorsport, in the automotive industry? But let me say, I'm a, a very lucky kind of man that uh, is living his passion. I grew up in a family that uh, always uh, was uh, passionate about motorsport because uh, my dad was involved in a local team not as a job, as a hobby. Uh, the passion was there basically as a first inception. Normally, children used to say driver and things like that. They say, no, I will be a motorsport engineer. And uh, I planned my life uh, to become a motorsport engineer. And of course, uh, started uh, very young in 1989 uh, to, to be involved in motorsport uh, while I was studying engineering. Uh, then I started uh, uh, racing Alfa Romeo. And then is when I met... Uh, 
these young children from Brazil, no? Like I remember him uh, running around in this test. Uh, it was actually very fast, but it was a bit like, uh, you know, when you put uh, this um, Mentos candy in the Coca-Cola bottle that you see sometimes <laughs> that makes the bottle explode. <laughs> Augusto that uh, had many radio problems during these seasons together because I incidentally never heard about uh, the suggestions that we were giving him during the races. And <laughs> He's one of the most unlucky guys. No, he always had a radio problem when we were racing together. I was young and brave. And by the way, also lately, I discovered that he still had the problem with the radio during our TCR races. It's something that maybe is related to some malfunctioning of the ears. I don't know, but... You know, people are getting older, but some DNA never changes. <laughs> Do you both feel as though you have motorsport racing in your DNA because of the countries that you come from? Ma, could be, could be. I always uh, hit and brief a motorsport, I have to say, and I always lucky to be surrounded by people who accepted it. It is uh, something that I do with uh, with my heart and with my mind 100%. And, uh, you know, when you love the job you are doing uh, in the way at the end I'm doing, uh, you never work. Uh, and the problem is also that you never stop. No, So sometimes uh, I... I found myself always focused on job. So I used to maybe go in mountain or things like that with friends that uh, absolutely are not interested in motorsport because, uh, you know, motorsport is a small word, sometimes uh, self-referring and weekend uh, totally off uh, helps me to always understand uh, what really matter in life. Augusto, for you, it's it's important, isn't it, as Andrea was saying there, to be able to press reset, to stay grounded, to look at life and, and see our role, you know, within the world. Because motorsport is so addictive. Do, do you feel as though it's an addiction, Augusto, to you? Yeah, it's, it's for me, there is a constant research for a better performance to improve further. So you never really uh, are standing still. You keep chasing a new target. You keep pushing ourselves, the team, the car, our environment to go further. And that very often leads us to be in a kind of a tunnel because when you're on the race weekend or you're really committed, it seems to be we get addicted to it. I, I, maybe I, I would not describe as being addicted. I, I just been, been passionate and extremely focused on achieving our, uh, our targets. But uh, I also like, especially when I get back home, and for me, it normally takes two, three days to become, well, how can I say, to be in sync with my family. Because I come home after uh, maybe a week of racing where it's so focused about respecting the times, uh, being so focused, very selfish very often because it is a sport where you have to be to a certain extent selfish. And then you get home and then you have your family and you have a normal life, which keeps going despite you're not being there. My kids, of course, they're very excited when I win races, when I come home and I did well, but they have their own time. They have their own priorities. Like Andrea said, we cannot forget where you come from, who you are, because then I'm still that uh, crazy kid which gave Andrea 20 years ago hard times uh, and probably uh, also hard time to my parents trying to, to, to go to the racetrack every day and also being part with people from outside of motorsport for me helps me a lot 
to just forget for a little bit that stress, that pressure which we go through and just be able to recharge the batteries. It's interesting listening to you because I've spoken to a lot of Formula One drivers from the past who maybe haven't quite won the championship and they've put it down to not being selfish enough because they've had kids, they've had a wife, they've had a family and they've been trying to balance fairly the racing and the family. And although they've loved their life, they would say, you know, maybe I didn't become world champion because I had to split myself a little bit. And you have to be so selfish to get that championship. I want to get a bit more from you, Augusto, about the feel of driving a car. I mean, you've had a long esteemed career racing cars. Would you say the best experience in a car for you is when you can become one with the vehicle? The best is when, for me, when I feel I've done a good job because we cannot win every day. Because, you know, unfortunately, there is days where somehow you cannot express, you cannot deliver it. You know, you push yourself, but you just feel the things are a little bit uh, mechanical. They are not really running smooth. And for whatever reason, and we have to be proud that we have won the battle against ourselves, which means I gave all I had. Of course, winning the race, winning a championship, it is that moment which is unbeatable. You know, you have the joy of being working for, you know, long time, fighting hard, uh, sleepless nights and so on. But for me, what really counts in life, it is, yeah, today was the day I gave it all, you know. And this for me, it's what relieves me from, uh, also from a defeat, from knowing that I, uh, the race or the championship has not gone as I, as I expected, but I tried. And I think this what I try to pass to my kids and my family, because we should always try our very best. All this discussion leaves the question, is electric power the future of motor racing? The first electric car, 1884, I think that was produced. Um, the first Hyundai electric vehicle in 1991. Electric technology is not new. I mean, it's fair to say that it's been quite a long road, hasn't it? But this electric car that you've made here, the Velister N, it's not like any other electric car. That's that's safe to say, isn't it? Yeah, actually, I discovered studying a bit because uh, I love history that the first car was an electric car, actually. So we are just uh, coming back to the roots. And uh, the concept has always been uh, in e-vehicles, has always been seen as uh, something for family or uh, something like uh, moms and dad uh, can use uh, in uh, downtown, uh, free parking and things like this. And uh, I think we are giving uh, instant to e-vehicles a much more sporty image because uh, now we have a more and more sporty car also in the market and that uh, to have this kind of racing between brands, by the way, that is also important to say. Okay, let's get under the bonnet or into the boot, actually, in this car, isn't it, Andrea? And uh, find out the Velester and the magic that's within this car in terms of the engineering. How much of a challenge was it? Uh, the challenge uh, for us has been a total challenge, uh, a much uh, bigger challenge than any other car. Because uh, if you would... Uh, need to start to make a brand new car but uh, you start from a well-known base in this case it uh, was a, a white sheet of paper but maybe we didn't uh, have uh, the paper even 
And the car you have to imagine that is totally different because uh, where you normally have the, the normal powertrain in the road car, now you have all the cooling uh, package because the cooling in these uh, e-vehicles is even uh, more important because you have many things to cool down, the battery, the electric motor, the inverters. So the complexity of the systems uh, is quite high and you have to manage uh, the thermal balance, then uh, you have to imagine that all the floor of the car is no more a floor and the battery that is lying and filling all the floor. Augusto is quite uh, laid down, it is a bit like a, a sport car. Then uh, on the back, uh, you have, of course, the electric motors uh, that are driving the wheels uh, and uh, with the inverters that are managing all the electricity. And so it's a, a brand new car. Of course, uh, it became a rear wheel driven car. So also the rear suspension is uh, totally new. The way distribution is totally different. Uh, what uh, we try to capture uh, at a very basic level, uh, the aerodynamic, because uh, these cars uh, should uh, be very close uh, to touring car races, as Augusto was mentioning, also you know? in kind of uh, fighting each other. And the good thing, as uh, Augusto said, is that uh, this kind of uh, e-races will not be based on uh, power management. So the drivers will don't have to look at the battery lasting so they can give uh, all uh, from from the world goal till the end of the of the race it's important to talk about a little bit as well the fact that you're using the hydrogen generator to power the cars because previously we've seen different kinds of power which sort of negates the the e factor effectively but you guys have, are using a hydrogen generator but you've also been working along um, with hydrogen fuel cells so how does that compare to uh, to electric e-vehicles need energy to be charged and uh, sometimes if you use a diesel generator you just uh, move a bit uh, far away the pollution from the car itself, but there is still something running out. Instead, uh, the, the, the job that we are doing and Hyundai is doing is to supply the power to charge, so the electric power to charge the cars during the races uh, with a fuel cell. So these fuel cell systems that will be supplied by Hyundai to the races and all the races are uh, really hydrogen uh, systems. So we are having a power from water somehow to, to let everyone understand about the system. So power is a given from uh, something that is a very zero pollution, basically. And this uh, adds uh, really, really something even more interesting for the whole uh, ETCR world. Motor racing is often face very difficult questions on environmental issues that, that we've touched on during this conversation. Do you think that electric addresses all of those issues or only some of them? How far have we got to go? Make me future teller, I will make you queen. You know, it's difficult to know if... Uh... I'll take that. <laughs> It's true also that standing still is never a good uh, a good position. So to try to go ahead and making things and verify what you can do, it's uh, it's always better. Augusto, this is a, a different world we're living in now. People are much more conscious about the environment. We reflect a lot more 
about what we're doing to the planet. Whereas when I was growing up, we didn't really think about it very much. I don't know how you feel about that when you were growing up, but do you look at life differently now to when you were growing up in terms of the green element? Yeah, definitely. Um, the entire world has changed. We all have learned that we have to care about the environment or about our planet. And I try, like Andrea said at the beginning of the, the interview, we are uh, motorsport fans, enthusiasts, which travel around the world, uh, burning fuel and, and delivering the show. And uh, who knows in 50 years, if combustion cars will be still be able to, to race and burn fuel. This new period which is coming will last forever. I mean, now I think motorsport will keep changing for the next a uh, hundred years will keep evolving on a, on a more cleaning, friendly environment. Uh, but also the ETC are going to be racing in proper circuits, will be full on, will not be driving around saving energy. Motorsport exists because we have fans all over the world who are keen to watch us going fast uh, on racetracks or on, on roads with rally cars. So, uh, and the electric cars will be able to we'll be able to keep delivering the same show in a, in a more friendly way. So cleaner, closer racing. And what about this incredible technology, Andrea, that's being devised? Will we see it trickle down into the cars that we drive, do you think? I think that uh, is the point, you know, and uh, for sure to push uh, the limit, the border more, uh, it will give us uh, more knowledge about uh, the management of the batteries, the management of the motors and all these kind of things. For sure, it's a good platform to learn more about uh, sporty e-vehicles. And uh, we are closing uh, related uh, with our colleagues. There is a constant exchange of information. And so I think that uh, in this case, we are back a bit on the roots of motorsport that uh, initially was used to push uh, the the borders of technology to have a, then a, a fallback to the production cars. I think uh, that uh, is something that uh, ETCR can give back uh, to, to road car production. This podcast is called Are We There Yet? Uh, so in terms of, of clean racing, I ask you the question, Andrea, are we? I think that I'm never there. So it, uh, it give us the motivation to wake up in the morning so <laughs> and augusto for you it's been really lovely chatting to you thank you so much good luck uh, with the rest of the testing and uh, we hope to see you in the car this season thank you so much and uh it was a pleasure to share with fans and and uh, people which are far from sometimes to motorsport and to this new technology and i'm sure we're gonna deliver a great show Andrea Adamo and Augusto Farfas, thanks so much for joining us. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Thank you to you. Thank you. If you're excited by the drive for green speed and electric racing, you can find out more at Hyundai.com. Next episode, we're going to become visionaries as we reimagine what a car can be. Don't forget to subscribe to the Are We There Yet podcast via your usual podcast provider. It means, of course, that you'll never miss an episode. Thanks so much for listening. Bye-bye.